0: I feel like I'm at a like, Christmas special or something. It's like deep thought and communion, and then ding, dong. Frosty and uh, Rudolph are about to pop up in a second. <laughs> well, good morning, all you guys. Merry Christmas. I hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas. I hope you guys are, are kind of feeling how I am uh, right now. I'm so tired, I, I need some caffeine and the Holy Spirit, so I hope you guys can relate with that this morning. We might all be a little uh, tired. Some of us may have had too much eggnog or too many cookies, but I hope you guys enjoyed your Christmases, and I- I'm glad you guys can be here uh, with me this morning. I hope you guys got some good gifts, too. Uh, I experienced for the first time, I just got married, so I got two families, which is great. You, know, you, get, you get two families giving you gifts, which is awesome, but then I realized I'm an adult, so I have to buy other people gifts. And then I realized I now have to buy two families gifts, which my bank account's not happy about. But I hope you guys all got some good gifts and gave some good gifts. So maybe share with the people next to you one of your favorite gifts you got for Christmas. All right, so I hope you guys had many uh, many gifts to share with each other. Maybe some of you guys are like, I didn't have many options to share. <laughs> uh, but uh, I hope you guys all got, got some good gifts. Speaking of gifts, our series, we've been talking about the best gift ever. So I wanted to start with a verse talking about that. If you want to join me in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 4. John 4. Verse 10, actually. John four, ten. We hear Jesus describing this gift, and he's actually talking about himself. And he's talking to a woman from Samaria that, in that culture, he never should have even been interacting with. But Jesus told her this. It says, and Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift, talking about himself, of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I don't know about you guys, but I'm grateful for the gift of Jesus this morning as we talk about how do we appreciate that gift. If you guys want to pray with me, God, I just thank you so much, Father, that we can all be here, that hopefully we got to enjoy time with family in the holidays. I know it's different this year. We may not have been able to see some family may have been difficult but I pray we were still able to enjoy it. I pray God for those of us that come in this morning and and things are a little rough right now, things are a little troubled. And uh God, I just pray you would bring us peace, comfort and people in our lives to support and encourage us. God, I pray for those of us this morning that come in and we're just doing all right. Life's going by. That you would give us intentionality, that you would give us your eyes to love out your purpose, even if things aren't going incredibly well, even if things are just going average. And God, I pray for those that come in this morning and, and we're joyful and we're happy and it's a good time in life that we would be able to enjoy it and appreciate it and that we would reach out to those who maybe life's not going so great right now and you would give us eyes for that. I pray that no matter where we are this morning, God, that you would speak to us through your word, which you've promised us you can, and that no matter how tired we are and how late we stayed up exchanging gifts, that we would still be able to hear from you this morning. And I pray all this, the only way I can pray, and that's through your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys discussed some good gifts, hopefully with the people next to you, but we've all gotten bad gifts. Gifts that we get home and we're like, all right, next white elephant, here we go, we got it. Or, uh, you know, maybe you were hoping that there was a return receipt, because that's how bad the gift was. We've all gotten those gifts. And when I was a kid, you know, you pray and you wish and you hope and you write lists. of Those gifts that you so desperately want, sometimes on Christmas morning, you feel a box, Not as sturdy and solid as a Lego set, but instead you find a clothing store box. And as a child, there is nothing worse. And you open the gift to find underwear, or even worse, khaki pants, or even worse, a sweater. Now, maybe not all of you guys relate to me, but when I was a kid and I could feel a clothing store box, I was like, you have got to be kidding me because that meant for me and and my brother especially, church clothes. Sweaters and khakis. That was about the only time I wore them growing up. We, in fact, disliked our church clothes so much that we wrote a song that my brother wrote fondly called Church Clothes, bemoaning the uncomfy, ugly clothes we would have to wear to look professional at church. But, Sometimes as adults we can even get bad gifts. Maybe it's not clothing, but maybe it's telling us some something pretty directly. I don't know if any of you guys have ever received one of these where it's like I don't even know like a shower gift package and it's like why do you think I so desperately need shampoo, conditioner and body wash? Like are you are you trying to like communicate something to me. And so maybe as adults, bad gifts aren't clothing, but our body wash and conditioner from the lovely people at Axe. I remember as a as a kid I vowed that I would never want clothing for Christmas or my birthday. And sadly this year those were my top 5 wishes were clothes. So maybe our gift tastes have changed, but we've all received bad gifts, adults or kids. But the good gifts are the gifts that we truly want. The gifts that we write at the top of our list and and we hope we unwrap gifts like a Nintendo 64. And if you've ever seen the video of this kid screaming and holding the N64 aloft, there might be a picture. Yes, that child, with so much joy in his eyes as he holds his N64, we've all felt that, of getting a good gift that we truly wanted. But I think oftentimes, The even better gifts are gifts that we truly needed. And oftentimes those gifts don't come in packages. But they come in times when maybe financially or emotionally or spiritually life's not going so great and it's a gift or a letter, encouragement from a friend when we really needed it. Someone telling us that we're enough, telling us the good that they see in us when we're really down on ourselves. Or even the gift of someone's friendship or someone just spending time with us when we're going through a hard time. I think oftentimes those are greater gifts than the gifts we want. But the gifts we truly need are the best gifts. And I think all throughout quarantine and the pandemic, I think we began to realize as humans what we truly need need. I think it became a little more obvious, especially in the U.S., where we might financially have a little more, and it might be less obvious what we need than other places in the world right now. I think in the hardship of quarantine, it became more obvious what we need. I think the first greatest need we saw was the need for relationship. I think if many of us got asked before 2020 if we got the offer of way more free time Way less time at the office, way more time to watch TV and streaming, way less time with the annoying people at work, we would have been like, sign me up. Even if it's a whole year of it, oh, that sounds great. Way more free time, more time online, don't have to deal with everyone. And yet, in the height of quarantine, we found statistics that were baffling, that seemed to go against all the free time and online time we wanted. We found statistics that anxiety, stress, and the need for counseling had gone through the roof. And it's all in Sunday, I hope you guys are doing the word search and the coloring page. I think there might be a prize, but, but there was even people during quarantine that weren't feeling that great about themselves and, and made rash decisions, and those statistics went way up as well. Even though we had way more free time Way less time with those annoying people and way more time for all of our hobbies. We found ourselves worse off. It reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode, a story of Henry Bemis. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Twilight Zone. It was this black and white kind of horror series in like the the 60s. And every episode had this twist ending. There was always like some shocking thing that happened. So this story, it was called Time Enough at Last. And there was this man, Henry Bemis, he worked a a middling job at a bank, and all he wanted was time enough to enjoy his hobby of books. That's what he truly loved reading. And all throughout uh, the the TV show, he had this nagging wife that would never give him time to read books. And he had this nagging boss that was always on his back and never gave him enough time to read books. And he had annoying co-workers and customers at the bank. And they would just never let him have enough time to read his books. And as the story goes, it was called Time Enough at Last. And he finally gets all the time he could ever want without all those people to read his books. And so he's in the bank vault and an explosion goes off. And he exits the bank vault that he coincidentally was in during the explosion and finds himself the only human being on earth. And he's so excited when he goes to the destroyed public library and finds all these books because he finally has time enough at last to enjoy his hobbies that he never had time for with all those annoying people getting in his way. And the twist ending is as he reaches to read his first book and he's so happy, his glasses fall off and break. And he begins to cry because now he has nothing And can't read his books. Now as a kid I thought that's dumb, you should just go find another pair of glasses. (laughs) Like there's other people in the world with glasses. But I think even if Henry found glasses, I think he would still be pretty lost in life after a couple weeks with nobody else on earth. I think that happened to us during quarantine. It was nice for a week or so to have more times for video game, TV, at the home, free time. But if you're like me, after a couple weeks, I was ready to see people again. I knew it was a crisis when my students began to tell me they wanted to go back to school. That was when I know we had an all time low. And some of my guy students told me that they were tired and bored of playing video games. And that's when I knew we were in a true (laughs) crisis. And why did they want to go back to school? I'm doubting it was because of the homework and their principals. I'm sure it was because of the relationships they had at school. Because I think we all need relationship. And I think that need became very obvious during quarantine. A lot of times with the best relationships, those relationships offer us help. And I think we all need help. I've realized that now as I've become an adult, and uh, in the last two weeks, I somehow managed to start owning a house. Um, I now have a wife, and uh, we just got a dog two days ago. And I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) and I need all the help I can get because I have never had any of those three things in my life. and it's funny because I've been asking a lot of my older friends for help and advice for being married and, and owning a house and finances. And a lot of times I'm surprised because they're like, oh, it's okay, Andrew. I didn't know what I was doing either. I just figured it out. I, don't, I still don't know what I'm doing. That's half the fun. And, like, these are the people I really admire. And I'm like, if you guys don't know what you're doing, like, who does, you know? Like, as a kid, you think all the adults know what they're doing, they have it all together, they know everything about everything. No, we're all semi-faking it. And I've realized that, that we all need help. We do, especially when it comes to relationships. Some of us are experts at task or hobby, but when it comes to people, I think we all need help in that regard. Oftentimes, though, we're resistance to help because that means challenge, and instruction, and I think ever since we had multiplication tables and handwriting assignments, we've never really liked instruction, <laughs> but I'm glad that someone did instruct me on those things so that I can actually write and, and now, and sometimes as adults, I think that we believe because of the amount of experience and knowledge we have, we no longer need instruction or challenge, that we've figured it out. Claire got to see that side of me on her honeymoon when I was man sick the first two days, and I refused to get out under my bundle of blankets and turn off the heater in 80 degrees Hawaii and take off my multiple layers of hoodies and jackets because I was burning myself up with a fever. And in my mind, I didn't want to because I felt cold. And she told me, well, guess what? You need to cool your body down. So... (laughs) don't have a pile of blankets, don't have the heater on, it's 80 degrees. And uh, after I followed her instructions, I actually got better. So (laughs) sometimes I think we all can be resistant to help and advice and wisdom. I think oftentimes it's because it's pointing out something that we're not doing the best, something we're not doing right, something we're falling short in, a, a weakness, a blind spot of ourselves, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't like people pointing that out, and I think that strikes a core need of all of us, and it's the need to feel like we're enough. Ever since we were kids, I think we all want to measure up. We want to feel good enough. We want to feel appreciated, acknowledged, known. Ever since we had crushes in first grade, we wanted to be admired and desired and liked back. Ever since we played sports, we wanted to score so many points so our parents would be proud of the athletes we were, and we didn't want to let our coaches down. We wanted to be enough for our coaches, and we wanted our teammates to like us and and think we were good because we all want to be enough for people. We want to feel like we're enough. And sometimes I think we all believe we're not enough because of mistakes we've made, that we know that there's bad parts of ourselves, selfish parts of ourselves, insecure parts of ourselves. And if we think about it, we realize we might not be as great as people think we are. Uh, there was a, there's a coach once, and I think this points to another great need of ours, a uh, coach of a Christian college sports team. And uh, so he asked all these you know, Christian college athletes, this question and he said uh, if someone asked you to hook a machine up to your brain that showed everything you thought and did the last 5 years would you let them and you expect all these good christian college guys to be like i'd let them i've got nothing to hide no all of them said no and uh i don't know about you guys i would also say no <laughs> and i I think if we got asked that question about our entire lives, I don't know if you'd find a single human that would say yes. I would let someone see every single thought and action I've done. And I think that's because there's parts of us that aren't the best, that are selfish and secure, and the parts of ourselves that are us at our worst. And I think we want someone to actually know all of those parts of ourselves and still love us and not think anything different of us. I think that's one of the coolest things about counseling. And and, uh, when I went to counseling a bit of time ago, that was something really attractive to me was that I would be able to talk to someone about every single part of me, the most insecure, selfish, worst parts of me, and legally, they can't tell anyone or judge you, legally, you're in the clear, it's great, but I think that points out a need in all of us, we all have a need for grace, and we all have a need for knowing someone that knew every worst part of ourselves and says, I don't think of you any different. And I love you, even the insecure, worst parts of yourself. And I think maybe the greatest need is we all want to matter. We all want there to be a meaning and purpose in life. Every philosopher, I think, since the beginning of the time has asked that question What's the point of life? What's the purpose of life? Why does this all matter? And I don't know if any of them have answered it yet. (laughs) There's a book that tried to called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it's a comedic book. And um, these sci-fi explorers go around the universe to find this all-knowing supercomputer that allegedly knows the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. A computer that knows the point of life. And so the book, you follow their journey. And they get there, and they find the supercomputer, and they say, what's, what's the answer of life? What's the point of life? And it says 42. I was like, what? I was like, that's, that's such a dumb answer. And I realized it was another comedic part of the book. And there's no computer out there that knows the point of life. i just give you a meaningless answer, like 42. But if you're like me, you don't just want an idea or a hypothesis or a theory about our greatest needs and the answers for them. I think we all need something real and not a comedic joke at the end of a novel, but we need a person, and thankfully we have a person for that, the best gift ever and the greatest answer to our every greatest need, Jesus of Nazareth. God himself and man, Emmanuel, the greatest answer to our every single greatest need. We want relationship with the God of the entire universe and the creator of everything wants to know and love you and be known and be loved by you. He wants to be known and loved by us so much that he's jealous. The Bible says he's a jealous God because he doesn't want us to know and love anything more than we know and love him. That's how much he cares for us. And he wants the relationship of being our father. And God the Son, Jesus, wants to be our brother and our friend and our Savior and our Lord. And if we want help, God wrote us an entire really, really long set of books. And it's full of his challenge and wisdom for us. And he gave us brothers and sisters, and he gave us a helper when he sent us his spirit. And we want to be enough, we want to measure up, well, he calls us sons and daughters of the God of the universe that we are higher than angels, that we are his beloved, his children, his ambassadors, his image of himself to the world, that when the world looks to see what God is like, like the ancient Greeks would go to a temple to see what Zeus looked like, that there is no carved image of God, that God carved his image in each and every single one of us, and that we are a royal priesthood You might say, I don't feel like a saint, and half the time I don't feel like a Christian. Well, you're God's royal priest. And one day when we see him face to face, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, and my child. And that affirmation and acknowledgement, one theologian wrote, will be like every acknowledgement and affirmation and encouragement we received in this life was like drinking out of a dirty puddle. And God telling us well done will be like getting blasted with an exploded fire hydrant of acknowledgement and affirmation from our Father and the God of the entire universe telling us "You did a good job. And we need grace. We need someone to know every worst part of ourselves and forgive us and love us despite our mistakes. Well, Jesus wept in a garden because he didn't want to drink the cup of judgment for all our mistakes for all time. And yet he did. And in a trade, he gave us his perfection and position as a child of God and as his brothers and sisters and co-heirs. And we want purpose and we want meaning. Well, he said, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. That he has sent all of us on a mission to impact people, not for the next 70 years, not for the next 1,000 for millions of years that their eternities would be impacted and influenced by God working through each and every single one of us in the greatest purpose and meaning a person can have in their lives. Jesus is the greatest answer to our every greatest need, and that's why he's the best gift ever. So the message was about appreciating God, but I think first we need to know why we appreciate God. It's about appreciating the gift, but I think we need to understand why we appreciate the gift. No one's going to appreciate a gift they don't want. No one's going to appreciate a gift they don't think they need. But we desperately need this gift. So maybe we know now why we appreciate the gift, or maybe, like me, I was reminded of that in working through this. We know why we appreciate the gift, but how do we appreciate the gift? How do we appreciate the God of the universe giving all of himself for us? How do you return that favor? How do you adequately thank God for that gift? It would be like if someone we walked outside and someone was like, here's a Tesla Model Y, and it's all paid off, everything, nice, super nice car, and you just said, ah, oh, gee, thanks, that wouldn't make sense. The level of appreciation would nowhere near match the level of the gift. I expect most of us would, would lose it and, and offer our undying thanks and, and just be so appreciative. Maybe some of us would weep. And so how do we thank God giving all of himself for us? Well, in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, it tells us how we appreciate the gift. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 to 26, Matthew wrote this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For... Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This verse tells us how to appreciate the gift, the best gift ever. God gave all of himself for us, so what do we do in return? We give all of ourselves. We lose our life. We give up our entire life and lose it in appreciation for God. It's no longer ours. What does that actually mean, lose your life, give it up? It's no longer yours. It means that we now no longer live for ourselves, but we live our entire lives for God. How does that look? Does that mean reading our Bible every second or praying every five seconds? No, I don't think so. God never calls us to that. doesn't necessarily mean selling everything we have, moving overseas to being a missionary. might not even mean being at church more, reading your Bible more. But it means that you live your life for God and not yourself, which goes against every ounce of our natural nature. Ever since the dawn of time, we want to live life for ourselves and our desires, our wants, our needs, our convictions, and our will. But God calls us to lose that and live life for him and for others. When Jesus talked about the two greatest commands, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like that, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that goes against every part of our nature. Since the beginning of humans, we continually put ourselves above God and others and hurt them, and that's called sin. And God calls us to live our lives elevating God and others the other way. That we live our lives for those. That we would love others the way we love ourselves. And that our lives are no longer about our needs, wants, convictions, or will, but are now about God's needs, wants, convictions, will, desires. And that's what we live for. And the needs, wants, and desires of others. And we give up our entire lives to do that. And you might say, that's a big ask. I don't want to do that. Well, I would say it's a big gift to appreciate. And I think there's a lot of people that don't think it's worth it. I think there's a lot of people that think that's too big of an ask. There's a lot of people that have been to church, know of God, they know and agree that Jesus died on a cross. And there's some people that might say, I'm a Christian but they don't think it's worth it to give up their entire lives. I think there's some people that would say, I'm not a Christian, and that's why they're not. Because giving up your entire life is much too big of an ask. So what's the other option? Chase everything we want in this life, and then what? Well, he says here, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? The alternatives chasing everything we want, living our life for ourselves, and will never experience the greatest answer to our every greatest needs. And we will deny our soul the very essence of who we are to our core, beyond our body, and we will deny a future filled with being physically and spiritually with the greatest answer to our every greatest need. And C.S. Lewis once said, it would be like settling for mud pies when we have no idea how incredible a holiday at the sea would be. For those of you that are younger, it would be like settling for eating dirt cakes when you have no idea how incredible an all-inclusive vacation to Disney World would be. As it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and pleasure and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So what then? We lose our entire lives? It's a big ask. But here in the verse, it says that by losing our entire lives and taking up our cross, in verse 25, it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And what's interesting is that when we lose our life, when we give up living for ourselves, we actually gain true life because we were created for and are most fulfilled by living a life for God and others. That is how we were designed to our very DNA, that we are most fulfilled by living a life for God and for others, and living life just for ourselves will never be enough. Jesus told us this in John ten. 10, when he said this. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when we give up and lose life lived for ourselves, we get the life we are created for. We are created to live for God and for others. And that's what we're most fulfilled by. And what it's talking about here in verse 10 is not the Webster's Dictionary definition of life, which is biologically existing and not being dead. You can do that without God very easily. But what you'll miss out on is the Greek word zo for life, of the absolute fullness both essential and ethical, life life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, and blessed. And when we lose our lives lived for ourselves in appreciation for that gift, we gain that type of life, the life that we were made for. And so, if you'll think and contemplate, meditate and pray with me, I'd love to think about how we can lose our lives this Monday. In living for others and for God. Why in the world do we do that? We have the best gift ever, the greatest answer to our every greatest need. And how we appreciate that is giving everything in our lives to God and others, losing ourselves, and gaining the life that we were made for and most fulfilled by. Let's pray. God, I pray you would help us, Father. Whatever's going on, you love us and care for us. I pray you would help each and every single one of us individually with what's going on. God, I thank you so much to be in the answer to our every greatest need. I pray you would help us to find true and full life lived for you and for others. And know it goes against every fiber of our being. I pray that we would deny life for ourselves and find true life with you and others. I pray you would help us how how to see that practically this week, how that would look when we go to school Monday or our job or hop online, that we would continue to learn how to live true life, not for ourselves. And help us to see that. Give us people to encourage us along the way, Give us wisdom and give us your word. I pray all this the only way I can pray, and that's through your spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.